Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's a Thursday night without another edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast? We continue our position reviews as we stick with the offense and look at the tight end position because I heard the tight ends are really tight if you ask me. Welcome to another Strictly Stripes podcast offseason edition. Muhammad Ahmad here with Mike Nislik who's back at it as Andrew Gillis has the night off until Friday when we all reunite forces once again. Uh, and really just jumping into it, Mike, I mean, when you talk about tight end, there's only one place to start, and that's Hayden Hurst. And, you know, Hayden Hurst is always a positive conversation, especially when you think about just where his career was before he came to Cincinnati last year and where it's been. You know, you, I mean, just to kind of look at his stats real quick, like in his first two years with the Ravens in his career, he had 43 catches, over 500 yards, and three tutties. This year alone, he had 10 more catches than he did in those first two years, over 400 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, obviously it was different in Baltimore. He was kind of behind Mark Andrews, and so he has more of a role now. He showed why, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, trusted him and why he was just so glad to be a part of an offense like that. And he said to me, and he said to others, he wants to be in Cincinnati. Um, this is basically a place where he's like died and gone to heaven, which are his exact words. But it is a business. Um, he was on a one-year deal, so he's a free agent. His market value is about twice what he made this year, which he made about three and a half last year. He's uh, evaluated at about $6.8 million going into next year. And we've talked about trying to pay T. Higgins, trying to pay Joe Burrow, eventually trying to pay Jamar Chase. When you look at someone like Hayden Hurst, kind of two parts here for you, Mike. How much do you prioritize retaining him if that's the move? And if not, why do you think that might be difficult as far as like holding on to a guy like him. Well, if he's looking for like a long-term deal, like above market value, above that, you know, like $6 million mark. I mean, the, the, the two sides probably don't have much to talk about, to be honest, you know, the, he's a, l- a little on the older side, you know, in terms of age, um, you know, he's not going to probably fit into their plans like in three to four years, but uh, I think a short-term deal, another one-year contract. Um, and if he would give them, you know, I think $5 million sounds about reasonable where they could probably fit him in. Um, you know, I think it makes sense for both sides. I think sometimes things don't need to be difficult, right? He's talked a lot um, and is a big mental health advocate. Um, and, you know, he seems like he's found peace here and like he likes it here. And so um, sometimes that's more important than kind of making every single dollar. Um, you know, the whole coaching staff is back. He said how much he kind of, um, has enjoyed the communication aspect that he didn't have at previous stops, um, that they're using him, like how he feels 
he should be used on third downs, on short down, situ- you know, short yard situations, uh, red zone. And so, you know, it just makes a lot of sense. I, I said today in the kind of the story I had about the free agency question at this position, like not everything has to be complicated. Um, I think it'd be a different story if, you know, they were looking to go younger and upgrade or spend more money. Um, you know, there's some good free agents out there that, that, you know, you could spend at the position and get somebody, you know, that might be a little bit of an upgrade, but that's not what they're in really the position to do. I think it makes more sense to try to develop a tight end out of the draft um, for the, over the next year or two and, and use Hayden, Hayden as kind of the bridge. I just think that uh, his versatility, the, his, his uh, being able to split out wide, you know, his, his numbers uh, percentage-wise were up there with some of the top tight ends in terms of, you know, like 50% of the time he was not lining up on the line, uh, you know, in, the, in a traditional tight end role. He was split out, you know, in the slot. And those are what the Bengals prioritize with the other receivers. You know, they want to create uh, mismatches, and he's sort of the perfect fit. So, um, you know, like I said, I, I think it makes sense that they at least continue on together for – for another year or two, um, especially if you can keep that cap hit number down. Because like I said, they're not looking to spend a lot more money. But I, I think it's a case where I think both sides would kind of, you know, the Bengals would be maybe willing to spend a little bit more for Hurst, and Hurst would be able to, willing to take less here because of such a, how good of a situation it is. Yeah, there's so much to unpack there. But to kind of bounce off what you just said about the cap space, I mean, you wrote this and, you know, the numbers are there. I mean, what they spent in tight ends last year for him, Drew Sample, Mitchell Wilcox, who we'll talk about later in the show. I mean, that was about just under 3.5% of their salary cap, which is dead center, you know, in the league average as far as, like, percentage of salary cap going towards that position. And I, you know, like you said, and I agree, like, that's probably where they want to be in 2023, especially when you realize, like, you don't want to have as much wiggle room beyond that because of what you want to try to do with Joe Burrow and what you ideally want to do with T Higgins and the other free agents. I think they should try to keep like Von Bell, who we'll talk about with our position reviews on the defense later. But, you know, there's an interesting point. I really want to kind of get your thoughts on, you know, he's talked so much about, you know, how he's at peace here and, you know, his mental health story is, I I think for anyone who hasn't seen or read or heard about it, they should absolutely do that because his story is so remarkable with what he's done with his foundation, how he uses platform to advocate for, you know, speaking up about depression and mental health. Like he really is genuinely happier here. You know, you can see that. And I think his teammates really see that even though, you know, we don't know if he's looking for more of just kind of a quick short-term deal or a long-term deal. I think just from the perspective of being happy, being with someone like Joe Burrow, do you think he's maybe willing to say, hey, like, I know I'm worth this much. I'm worth that six, seven mil a year type tight end salary. But because I'm so happy here and I may not get this anywhere else, even if other places give him the money, he might not have that peace of mind. Do you think like he might kind of compromise? Like, do you think players might look at that and say money's great, but, you know, peace of mind is more important? Well, yeah, because I think when you look at it, I mean, the, the, the cons of the money, right? Like, you can't get the, the maximum value here. But are you going to find a better situation anywhere else where you have a coaching staff you know and love? You have a offensive uh, skill players that are – you're not going to be playing with anybody better if you go somewhere else. Um, and you're not going to find a better quarterback probably. I mean, there's only one or two teams in the league with that kind of situation. So, uh, you know, what else could he be looking for? I mean, if he's looking strictly for money – you know, then you'd think that, you know, maybe this wouldn't be the best fit, but it seems like he's at a point in his career. Uh, I think he's made career earnings short of $15 million. Um, You know, I think one thing the Bengals could do is make, which they did uh, this past year, make more of it guaranteed, um, you know, do a bigger signing bonus. So um, he has less to lose in terms of if there is an injury 
um, you know, kind of meet him halfway with some of that stuff to be able to say, you know, you put some skin in the game and we will too. Um, so I think that'd be a way to sort of bridge that gap. You know, if the numbers are completely crazy or off, yeah, you know, it, they're, they're, you know, it, it wouldn't work, but I just feel like it's such an attractive situation for a tight end like him that, you know, I think as you saw in the postseason, he got better, you know, that they, they found he was one of the best tight ends in terms of production in, in the postseason, uh, in the three games he played, you know, those were his first two postseason victories as well. So I think there's a lot to be said to sort of finding a home. Um, and you know, it, it kind of stinks that maybe you, you know, three, four years down the line, you can't kind of project that. But for now, you know, in the middle of, you know, Joe Burrow's prime, Jamar Chase's prime, there's probably nowhere else you'd want to be if you're a guy that is an offensive weapon like him. And, I mean, you think about it, like, he's not old. He's very young. I mean, I think he's only set to turn 27, 28 this year. Like, he's still pretty young, especially, you know, for someone at his position. So, on the one hand, he's – He's actually a little older. He's a little older. He's 29 and he's going to be 30 in August. So, because uh, he got a little, he got a little letter start in his career. Because obviously, uh, he's been baseball before this. Um, so he's, that's why I think a short-term deal makes sense. You know, he's not going to get much more than three or four years on the open market anyway, just because of that age. So I, I think you can, you know, it's not too much of a difference. Uh, I think if you gave him more guaranteed money, like I said, I think that might help to sort of lock him in at least just like I said for a year. Um, you know, Brandon Allen did a series of one-year deals with the teams. With those veterans, uh, I think it makes sense when you find a situation you're uncomfortable in to um, to try to stick with it and, you know, get something approximating, you know, a, a healthy salary, uh, which I think it is, um, and, and try to move forward. Yeah, I'm glad you made that correction on his age because, yeah, I saw he's born in 93, so he will be 30 in, you know, just over six months. Um, So you're actually right. Like, he's a little bit on the older side just in general, especially – at a tight end position where, like, I was talking with uh, Andrew about this, and I think you were on the pod, like, Tony Gonzalez, like, guys like that, Antonio Gates, like, once they got the 35, 36, 37, they kind of leveled off. So he knows he's sort of on, like, the later end of his prime. I think he's still in it, but he's kind of leveling off. So I think he knows, like, you just said it, the money's not going to – the money can be somewhere else. But as far as, like, you know, long-term deals, long-term years, he may not get that. So I think if you're Hayden Hurst, you look at it as a look. I'm not getting any younger. I've made pretty good money. You talked about the signing bonus, you know, paying him pretty well in the first half of his career. You know, peace of mind is important. And again, with his, you know, mental health background, I think he values that more than anything. So I actually think that, that, you know, combining that with just, you know, having Joe Burrow as your quarterback, it works out. And I think kind of the, the bigger thing here is like, from an offensive standpoint, at least, you know, and Ted Karras has kind of talked about this, like, yeah, you know, maybe b- given the fact that the Bengals aren't the biggest market, you know, they're not the richest team, even though they have a, a good salary cap situation, most of the time, you're not always going to come and get rich. I mean, you can get paid pretty well, like Ted Karras, I think, is on a $14 million deal for what he signed, but there's something to be said about, you know, coming to a team to get paid versus coming to a team to win. I think these guys know even if they're not getting that max deal, they're not getting that like money on the table that they're leaving somewhere else, you're still going to be able to win a championship. You're going to be in a locker room with no egos because like someone like Joe Burrow and I'm actually, you know, sneak peek for those who don't know, I'm doing something on why Joe Burrow, you know, psychologically is such an effective leader. There's something to be said about that. Like the Joe Fur- Joe Burrow effect is not like a cliche thing. It's a real thing. And the culture they've built is a real thing, as cliche as that word is. Like me and Marissa Contepelli 
talked about that. And so I think from the optimistic point of view, that's where it could work out for Hayden Hurst. But let's say the business side kind of takes over and Hurst decides, you know, I love Cincinnati. I love my time here, but I think I can maybe chase something somewhere else. You know, if the Bengals were to pursue something uh, in free agency, at least for him, and we can talk more about draft prospects later, but uh, as far as like, you know, when it comes to free agency, who do you think the Bengals could target if Hayden Hurst ends up walking away? Well, it's hard just because I, I think uh, the um, draft is probably the more likely option at the position just because I don't think they're going to be able to get uh, involved in a guy that's going to make, you know, upwards of $10 million. You know, Evan Ingram's a free agent, um, and he'd be great, you know, for, for a Joe Burrow-led offense, uh, but that's just not a contract. He's going to want more years than they can. They probably want a willing to give, um, and, and I just don't see them sort of, um, being able to, to sort of handle that when they're going to have to pay a lot of money out um, for a lot, of, a lot of other guys. You know, one name I mentioned in uh, the story today was Foster Moreau, former teammate of Joe Burrow's. Um, like, that's an option where, you know, he's uh, younger than I think both those guys I mentioned. He's, I think, 26, going to be 26, uh, former fourth-round pick out of uh, LSU, had his best season with the, the Raiders. Um, is that a guy, what's the price tag there? You know, obviously that familiarity with Joe Burrow would make him just a, a great fit and Jamar Chase uh, in this offense. But, you know, like I said, they're I think they're limited budget-wise. And so when you kind of take in those factors, I think the draft is sort of, you know, the most likely option. I don't think you're going to be able to get a cheaper version of Hay- Hayden Hurst on the market. And so I think Hayden Hurst just sort of makes the most sense, um, you know, as as is. Uh, you know, they won't have a lot coming back right now because obviously they got, the other. you know, you were mentioning – Mitchell Wilcox, Andrew Sample. So it's not like say they have somebody on the roster that's the heir apparent either. And that's the thing too, like you said, I mean, he is the best option. And I'm glad you mentioned, you know, Drew Sample and Mitch Wilcox because, you know, they provided something. And this is not a knock on Hayden Hurst, by the way. I'm just saying where this is not a big deal if for whatever reason you don't keep Hurst. I mean, from a blocking point of view, they don't really rely on tight ends. They rely more on like a jumbo set tight end slash tackle. So in this case, like Hakeem Adeniji. And then when he filled in for Lyle Collins, it was Max Sharping. When he filled in for Alex Kappa, you know, then they go to Jackson Carmen and so on and so forth, Deontay Smith. So when it comes to blocking, I mean, they've relied more on, you know, kind of that jumbo tackle being a tight end slash eligible receiver. And I mean, not that he's not capable of being a good pass blocker, but he wasn't really using those situations. As much as the Bengals have drafted tight ends early historically, like in the last 10 years, um, they haven't, when I say they haven't been used as much as like other players, I'm not saying they're not used in general. They're just not used in the way that like, you know, you'd see most tight ends who block on other teams. They're used more in a receiving sense, but like even if you get someone who's not a Hayden Hurst, I think that's okay because you got Jamar Chase. You'll have T. Higgins. Like you still have Tyler Boyd for now, at least. You know, assuming the Bengals don't try to go a cap casualty on him, like as you know Andrew and I talked about. But it's not the worst thing in the world if you lose Hayden Hurst, but it is also one of the best things you could do if you keep him. So there's really no, I think, no significant loss for the Bengals no matter what happens here. But when we come back, we're going to talk about the other tight ends that we talked about. That's Drew Sample, Mitch Wilcox, Devin Asiasi. And we're going to get a little more in-depth about some draft prospects who could replace either of them or Hurst if any of them leave in free agency. As you're listening to the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. 
You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislick. It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast as we continue talking about tight ends and what the future looks like at tight ends for the Bengals. So we talked a whole lot about Hayden Hurst, of course, Mike, because he's the center and the heart of that position for the Bengals. But I think there's something to be said about Mitchell Wilcox and Drew Sample because just like Hayden Hurst, they're both set to be free agents. Sample's been with the Bengals since 2019. Wilcox came the year after him. Sample is actually one of Zach Taylor's favorites, as he said himself. Um, he was only the second ever draft pick in the Zach Taylor era. Um, Wilcox was an undrafted free agent who worked his way from the practice squad to the 53-man roster. That was a really cool story for him, and it you know took him a while to get there because he's been on the team three years now. You have Devin Asiasi as well, who played really an amount of snaps you can count on your hand. He only had two catches. Should have had a touchdown against the Dolphins. That wasn't a touchdown, but he's entering the final year of his deal, so I think they'll just keep him as a, kind of a comfortable third-string backup. But I think with Wilcox, there's something to be said about why I think it's important for the Bengals to retain him because, you know, you might look at him and say, oh, he was just, you know, undrafted. He only, you know, didn't really play much until this year. But think about it. He went from being on the 53-man roster to being the backup long snacker, snapper. I don't know. Is there a backup long snacker? I'd, I'd like to know. Backup long snapper, though, um, after Clark Harris went down in week one, you know, and then Drew Sample goes on a essentially season-ending IR to where he's the backup behind Hurst. Then Hurst misses three games in December with a calf injury, and he's starting, and he scores a touchdown, you know, in Tampa Bay. He made a catch in the playoff game in Kansas City. He also made a catch against the Chiefs in the regular season. So he really elevated himself, and I think just to kind of start with Wilcox, I mean – is he kind of a guy that maybe might be under the radar as far as like kind of what he's done, just being an undrafted three agent three years ago to doing what he did now? Like, you think there's a significant role for him to be had next year? Well, I think he was in a situation where, you know, they grabbed um, Devin off waivers uh, right after New England cut him right before the year. And is, is he a guy that replaces, you know, Wilcox on the roster in season if he can kind of hit the ground running and hit a stride? Uh, but Wilcox sort of elevated his play. You know, obviously he kind of had an embarrassing uh, first game for himself. Didn't really obviously got thrown the spotlight on special teams, kind of handled that as well as you could. Uh, admitted, you know, he'd made uh, a mistake on one of those um, snaps. 
uh, bounces back and, you know, had to start three games um, for, for Hayden Hurst, uh, played well, got, scored his first career touchdown in that Tampa Bay game. Um, um, I, you know, I think he's a good, um, that's right, a, a good option for depth. Uh, you know, he's not going to be, I think, a, a, you know, a starting, a guy you put, put in a competition for the starting job, but, uh, you know, at that number two spot, um, you know, should get some looks on free agency in terms of, you know, guys, your team's looking for uh, added depth at the position, showed he can do uh, blocking, showed, you know, he's, he's, he's effective in the pass game, you know, not obviously a deep threat, uh, can't move his round him, round him much on the line as a Hayden Hurst type or a pass catch or, you know, pass catching type tight end. Um, but has soft hands and, and is able to catch the ball really uh, was effective in that role when they asked him, you know, with, with um, the snaps he did get. So I, I think he's effective and I think he held off uh, Devin to the point where, you know, I, I, I thought, I thought he, you know, didn't show much and, and probably is at risk of, you know, you know, not sticking on the team. Whereas Wilcox, I think is a guy that you look at, um, say you want you want coming back i don't know what to make a sample obviously just because with the injury and what his timeline for return is uh, they didn't talk to him talk about him much after he got injured um so we'll see but i would think they'd only keep one of the two if they were to bring somebody back i'm so glad you said that because i'm kind of torn about you know what to make of drew sample because he showed really good promise his first two years you know including joe burrow's rookie year but then the super bowl run he got her and then came back and actually started in the Super Bowl because CJ Uzama was a little shaky after he got hurt the you know game before that against Kansas City so he started in the Super Bowl I think he had a catch he was a, a blocker as well as he could be with how bad Joe, Joe Burrow got hit but I mean he's shown promise I mean he was a second round pick and like Zach Taylor really likes him which makes it tough but like you said he's been hurt a bunch um which this sounds kind of selfish to say for the Bengals but because he's been hurt so much, I don't know that it really raises his value to where like he's going to be able to ask for more money. Like I don't think his value went up or down. I think it's kind of neutral, and he didn't really make much his first couple years. So it's possible you you keep him on a cheap deal. But at the same time, though, like with the situation with everything else we mentioned with the Joe Burrow contract extension era, like it's going to be hard to keep him and Wilcox and Hurst. Like I think out of the three. It would be a miracle if they kept all three. I think the most realistic situation is one of them goes, whether it's Hurst or Wilcox or Sample, or maybe you lose two and it's the two backups to where maybe you keep Hurst and it's thumbs up and then the draft will focus more on re replacing Sample, replacing Wilcox or one of the two. I think that's what the Bengals would hope for is that you, you can kind of keep Hurst at the top and then build behind him. Versus having to build back up again, you know, or I could be wrong, but, you know, when you talk about building back up and, you know, replacing either of those three or one of those three, I mean, this is a really, really good draft, you know, for the tight end position. I think more favorably to the running back spot, like I talked about with Andrew and like we'll talk about with our mock drafts later, but... I mean, we've talked so much about Michael Mayer that I think you can't talk about him enough because, I mean, even beyond the fact that, you know, he played at Covington Catholic High School and he's from Highland Heights, which is just across the river in Kentucky from Cincinnati. I mean, he's a Bengals fan himself. He's, you know, vocalized that. I mean, he was the best tight end in college football last year. I mean, he led all tight ends in targets, catches, yards, touchdowns at his position in the FBS level, at least. I mean, let's assume there's a situation where, you know, you lose one of those guys or two of those guys even, and one of them happens to be Hayden Hurst. You know, would you prioritize someone like Michael Mayer more if you end up losing Hayden Hurst or if you lose anyone other than Hurst, do you maybe not focus so much on a Michael Mayer and maybe focus on a tight end in day two or day three? 
Well, uh, so what do they got? They got the 29th pick, and the uh, cap hit is like projected to be around 2.3 million for a first rounder. Um, and for their second round pick, that kind of goes down to uh, about a, a 1.1 million. So, I mean, you, you know, how much do you want to invest at the position? Uh, you know, if you were to get Hayden Hurst for five million, uh, and then you got a uh, first round draft pick, you're looking at probably ten million dollars at the position. That's probably a lot uh, for what they want to do. But um, you know, if you believe a guy is special, like Mayer's kind of like a special talent, I don't think they'd probably be able to get him where they're at. I, I would think Mayer goes a little earlier, but um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I think I like the flexibility of maybe going a little later because uh, if you have Hurst, you assuming they re-sign Hurst. Tight end to me makes sense, you know, two through four to try to get somebody that's a little more, maybe less polished um, and, and developing over the next year or two um, while you have Hurst kind of as your primary tight end. Then you can invest your first round pick elsewhere because I think they do have some needs um, sort of above that if they bring the Hurst back. If they don't bring back Hurst, then, um, you know, mayor type, uh, you know, makes sense. First round pick because uh, you got an, you want an, you need a guy that's probably starter starting ready. Um, and you know, you probably, you can't really take a risk doing that in the fifth round. So, um, I mean, or you can, but you're, you're flipping a coin. So, um, it's tough. I, I, I think uh, I'm assuming they bring Hurst back and that they'll invest somewhere in the first four rounds on a tight end. Um, uh, but that could be wrong. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think, yeah, we both unanimously kind of agree on that. And, and where in those first four rounds after the first round, I don't know. It might be too soon to say, but, you know, kind of a little antidote on Mayer. I mean, this is kind of a funny story I told a friend the other day. So Michael Mayer won a state championship his senior year with Covington Catholic High School, and he won Mr. Football, which I think he was the first Mr. Football to come out of CovCath and one of the only few to come out of Northern Kentucky. When I used to work in Bowling Green, Kentucky, uh, which was my last job doing TV before I started covering the Bengals, um, I went through some old clips of Bowling Green High School's football team, and they actually played Michael Mayer his senior year in the state semis. And I saw highlights of this kid, and he had like two touchdowns against Bowling Green, and he mossed one of them. And I was thinking to myself, the people who played against this kid like in the state of Kentucky probably knew this guy was going to be more than like a Notre Dame star. Like I think they knew he was NFL ready. Like he's just the whole package. I mean, he's been called mini Gronk for a reason. And we talk about someone like Gronk who's changed the position the way he did. I mean, or I guess it's baby Gronk, not mini Gronk. I mean, they call him baby Gronk, which what a fitting compliment for him. I mean, like I said, there's really nothing else to say about why he's the best tight end in the draft. But I think if, you know, you look at the other rounds and you go, you know, rounds two through four, there's still some other rich talent. Like I said, we talked a lot about Luke Musgrave. He had a great showing in the senior bowl uh, practice week. And, you know, he might be overlooked by some because of the fears of his injury that he had his senior year where he only played two games. But, I mean, you take that away. You're talking about a 6'6", 250-pound animal who's like bigger than any of the tight ends the Bengals have now. He's got the speed of like, you know, someone who's almost like a wide receiver in some ways, which for his size is really scary. Um, I do think he could do a little bit better with, uh, you know, staying after his feet after the catch. I think he goes down a little bit too easily, um, but he's got great hands. He's very fast and physical. I really like Darnell Washington from Georgia. You know, he just won two national titles with Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin, who's now like we talked about with the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, he in some ways resembles more of like Mayer, but 
he's not as mayor as he should be. Like he's more mayor light. He he could stay on his feet a little better than Musgrave. Although I don't know how much his speed compares to Musgrave, but he's very mayor light to me. But here's a guy you shouldn't sleep on. I haven't mentioned this name, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. He's basically the best guy not named Michael Mayer statistically because he had the most targets, catches, yards, and touchdowns among all tight ends last year in the FBS. Who, you know, among tight ends who wasn't named Michael Mayer because Mayer led in that category. Um, he's like everything you could ask for from Mayer, but I just don't think he's as big. Um, I don't know how much he compares as far as like kind of breaking, you know, breaking tackles and yards after catch, but the numbers speak for itself. Are there any other names that I didn't mention or anybody from those names that sticks out to you as a, a potential target for the Bengals? Well, those guys are probably the, the, the first or second rounders. I think Kincaid might not fit as well. Um, he plays a lot in the slot. Um, and, you know, while they did use Hurst in the slot, it was more like 20% of the time. You know, I, I think you're looking at 50% of the time with Kincaid. And that's probably a little more than they would feel comfortable using, I think, maybe. Um, and then, you know, Washington's interesting. He's got sort of, you know, he's 6'7", what, 269. Um, almost the size of an offensive, you know, almost the size of an offensive lineman. Um, do you want a less athletic guy that's bigger like that, that could do more blocking? You know, uh, they would, I think they retooled their offense a little bit with Hurst in mind. Um, so they do, do they want to go sort of in the opposite direction? Do they want more of like more what, what, what they had last season where they have that versatility where you can play them in any of those three receiver spots almost and, uh, in line. So, um, you know, interesting names. I think uh, Musgrave's an interesting talent. I've seen projections for him all over the place after the Senior Bowl. Some people have been talking like late first round, uh, which seems crazy to me. Like that seems too high. But like that second round pick, like he'd be great. I think as, as that second round pick, um, I'd be it'd be hard for him to last that long probably. But um, you know, the, there'd probably be good value. Uh, and any of those three guys you mentioned, getting them in the second round, where the Bengals are picking. Um, but it's just a matter of who, who fits the best. And I, and I think there's some pluses and minuses with uh, Washington and Kincaid, where I think Musgrave would probably be uh, a more no-brainer fit. Yeah, Washington would be interesting because, like I said, you know, when the Bengals kind of do their jumbo set formations, they like to use tackles. But maybe to have someone who's like a tackle and a tight end might be ideal because then you can save your tackles – elsewhere if the Bengals want to go that way but again it just depends on like you know do they want to continue what they did with her so they like to have another jumbo guy who is still more of a pass catcher but is just like you know kind of like a Hakeem Adeniji but at tight end or a Deontay Smith who's a better project in this case because I think Washington's just naturally a better player I don't know it'll be something to watch and like with Musgrave if he has a good combine he has a good pro day he could trend higher and higher because like i said if it wasn't for his injury he'd be like neck and neck with mayor but the injury kind of put him back to where mayor is like the undisputed number one right now but i want to kind of wrap up with some fun because we always gotta have fun on this podcast it's what it's all about when i think of hayden hurst the one word that comes to mind is hurdle you talked about how physical he is how just juiced up he is when he's on the field and a Hurst hurdle is always nice to see. Is there like a hurdle that you, you, you saw this year? You were just like, oh my God, he's him. Like that is the best Hayden Hurst hurdle. That's a lot of alliteration. The best Hayden Hurst hurdle I've ever seen. Or are they all just kind of the same to you? Well, they're they're similar because obviously style-wise they are. I think the build, the playoff one would probably be the most impactful moment he had of the season because he got that uh, first down, uh, if I remember correctly. 
I wish they had, you know, next gen stats, measures, all sorts of crazy stuff. Like they got to start measuring the height of hurdles because I think that'd really probably be the determining factor, right? Like how high was their highest point? Because then it'd be easy to say which one was like the clear best. Um, but in terms of impact, the playoff one. Um, but he's not afraid, you know. He, he he was battling leg injuries like hip and hamstring kind of things all throughout the season. I think he had a calf deal at one point, um, but never sort of was afraid to leave his feet. Um, you know, one time it didn't work out. He kind of kind of got got dropped, but. Uh, you know, you, you those guys that show the extra effort and want to put their body in line, uh, earn um, respect in that locker room pretty quick. And you saw, uh, you know, CJ was really well liked on this team, and you know they got a tight end that that fit just as well. You know, it was um, uh, the yeah. I just I just think the fit, the chemistry wise, everything worked out for Hurst. Uh, and those hurdles, I think, were just sort of evidence of how much he cared about this team. Speaking of CJ, did you actually know before the Super Bowl, he said that if the Bengals had won the Super Bowl, he would literally bathe in Skyline Chili? Did you know he said that? <laughs> no, I did not. He, he said this like, I think it was part of like the Super Bowl media availability they had. What would you say? Would it be public or private? I don't know. He didn't specify that, but he was like, he, he said that he talked to a big cat on Pardon My Take from the Barstool, you know, podcast they do, and he said like, if the he told him if the Bengals had won the Super Bowl last year that he was gonna jump in a pool or no a bathtub. It was a bathtub of chili. So I don't know if Hayden Hurst would quite do that. I mean, they're both very emotional, vocal guys, but. CJ Uzama was very different. I will say that. Very fun to watch. Very charismatic. But they got a lot of energy and passion from Hayden Hurst, and that's what matters. I, I'd say, you know, hurdles for me. I mean, it didn't technically count because this game was canceled, but that Buffalo game, you know, before the game was shut down, he had a really, really nice hurdle. I forget who was over as one of the Bills linebackers, but it's almost like I'd never seen him that exciting where he was just like shaking, flexing his muscles. Like he had just won a gladiator fight. I was like, Hayden Hurst with the hurdle. But, yes, let's start a petition. I think NFL Next Gen Stats needs to start measuring that because I think Hayden Hurst would – if he wouldn't be number one, he'd be up there in the top five. I mean, he's he's got a vertical for someone his size and experience. Yeah, for sure. I, I like that. It's a good suggestion. Mike, appreciate your time. Stay with us because tomorrow the gang will be all back together as we wrap up our offensive positional outlooks and reviews with the offensive line as we break down the – exterior O-line, the interior O-line, and then we're going to pivot forward to next week, setting up the defensive reviews, talking more about the combine and our mark, our mock drafts, and much, much more. But once again, for myself and Mike Nislik, I'm Mohamed Ahmad. See you Friday. <laughs>